Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zilkowski. Thanks for joining us for the third episode of Oral History Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping again regarding uh, episode two. I noticed as I went back and listened that I referenced the 47 contiguous states in the lower U.S., and I know there are 48. I've only been to 47 of them, so I just wanted to clear up that fact as well. And I want to welcome you to this particular episode that I've teased on Facebook as being the Canyon Cable 11 years. Um, I know that all of our lives pivot at some point. And for a lot of us, that happens in college. For me, that happened in high school. I can recall that the four years of high school and my even my first year of college were probably the most pivotal time in my life because several things happened. But this idea of the Canyon Cable 11 years really plays into that fact. And I want to share that with you. I want to dedicate this episode to a friend of mine. His name is Mike Fry. Mike was the owner and operator of Canyon Cable 11, a local origination cable station in Canyon City, Colorado in the mid and early and mid 80s. And he had a passion. He had a vision for local television where local television didn't exist. And it was key to uh, my life turning out the way that it has. So thank you, Mike, for that. Let me tell you about the first time I encountered Mike. Um, I was, as a freshman in high school, I was invited by my physical education teacher, a guy by the name of Barry Steimitz, who was the wrestling coach, to be the manager of the wrestling team. And I had never done anything like that in junior high, so it was an opportunity that I relished and jumped right in and became the, the manager, which meant a lot of cleaning up and a lot of uh, feeding guys Gatorade and helping them make weight and things of that nature. And I really enjoyed my time. Well, about halfway through our wrestling season, my freshman year, we got word that a cable station was coming to videotape our wrestling matches. And it was really interesting, and we were really excited about that. We initially thought that it was going to be someone from the Channel 11 affiliate, the CBS affiliate in Colorado Springs, but once he got there, we found out it was this local origination cable station called Canyon Cable 11. And Mike showed up with a camera and a deck and a tripod and videotaped several of our wrestling matches and then took the equipment back. And it was one of the very first things that he programmed on Canyon Cable 11 were these wrestling matches. And we waited and we waited a couple of weeks and things came together and we, we got to see ourselves and our wrestling team on Canyon Cable 11. I didn't think much about it after that. I went through the remainder of my freshman year and into my sophomore year, got my driver's license, and there was a point in the latter part of my sophomore year um, where I decided that I needed to get a job. My my mom was selling uh, what are with at that time were called Gold Sea coupon books. She was doing the telemarketing where she would call and ask people if they wanted these booklets full of local coupons for savings throughout the county. 
And I had said, well, I could do that or I could deliver them. And so I had an opportunity for a job interview with one of the gentlemen who was in charge of these Gold Sea coupon books. And I went to the job interview and I waited and someone came out and told me that he had not shown up that day. And I was angry that I'd been stood up, but not terribly disappointed that I was not going to be delivering Gold Sea coupon books. So I was driving around the county seat where I grew up, a place called Canyon City. And I was just a little frustrated and looking for a job. And I remembered Mike having come to our wrestling matches and videotaped those matches. And I was really, really interested in television, always had been. I'd always been the kid who dissected television, watched transitions and watched for continuity errors and watched for... Uh, just beyond storylines. I I was not the kid who got lost in the story. I was the kid who got lost in the technical aspects of it. And I thought, maybe there's a job for me there. So I found out where Canyon Cable 11 was. It was in the basement of a bank building in the middle of Canyon City. And I showed up on an afternoon and I asked Mike if he had a job for me. And he said, no, unfortunately, I don't. He said, I do have a job that you would be qualified for, which is our floor director. But right now there's a young man who's, he's finishing up his senior year at the local uh, Catholic boys high school, and he's got the job. When he leaves in May, you could come back, Mike said, and take the position and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll work with you on that. Well, he was leaving, this young man was leaving for a week to go back to California to spend time with his family during spring break. And they said, what we'll do is we'll let you do the job for a week. And then when he comes back, he'll, it'll be his. And then you'll have to wait until May. And then we'll kind of move you into that slot then. Well, by the time the week was up, it was so evident that my passion was so much greater for this job than this young man that he and I worked side by side for the remainder of that year until he left in May to go back to California and be with his family. And that was the beginning of my career in television. So I'm 15, I'm 16 years old at this time. I'm working for uh, Mike Fry. I'm working on a staff with a group of people. There were about seven of us. The news anchor was Babs, a young lady, and her co-anchor was a young man by the name of Joe Michelli. And Joe and I were really close. There were also several other people on staff. Randy Glenn, who did a lot of the work at the head end, meaning the place out in the weeds where they played the programming for the cable system in this county, and a young man named uh, Jeff Saviano. And than Mike and myself. And it was really interesting that during this time, we worked well as a team, but more than anything, there was something going on and there was something stirring in me because we were a group of people that were so diverse in our belief systems. Babs was a uh, Jehovah's Witness. She was married to a young man and had a full, completely different perspective on religion than than did I. Mike and Joe and I uh, were all Catholics. Mike and I were not practicing Catholics. I had not been to church since I was 14 when my family stopped going. And But Joe was a, an altar boy and had been most of his life. He was very devout. 
Jeff was an atheist, the other Jeff, and Randy was a non-practicing Southern Baptist, and Glenn was a Mormon. And it was amazing to me that every time this group of people sat down and talked to one another, the conversation always turned toward religion. And it was just evident to me at that time as somebody who wasn't even aware that I was seeking, but I was seeking. It was evident to me that we all had different perspectives. We had different perspectives on what heaven was like. We had different perspectives on how to get to heaven, on what our lives were meant to accomplish. There was just so much diversity. And during this time, it was just fascinating to me that I had the opportunity to rub elbows with these people. They were all probably five to 10 years older than myself. And I was learning from them as we went along. And I was learning not only television, but I was learning my worldview at the same time. Our television station, based in this bank basement, was uh, small. It was uh, underfunded. Mike uh, and his dad basically fronted the money for the station. And we were able to do three camera shoots and switch live and record newscasts and go out and do what's called ENG, electronic news gathering with a camcorder. And we just did local stories. And then we kind of put it together with 15 minutes of weather from a program that we had taken from the PBS affiliate in that area that, that had aired earlier that morning called AM Weather, and then played a series of old television shows, George Burns and Gracie Allen and Jack Benny and Hazel and things of this nature. And we sold advertising and interjected ads for the local, local uh, businesses into that programming. And from six o'clock until about 8.30, Monday through Friday, we put programming on in this small community. And it was brand new. It was not anything that even most markets were doing in that nature of, of that nature. There were there were some that were doing local origination programming, but it was all uh, sit down talk shows and things of that nature. So this was very different that we were doing news and we were doing uh, electronic news gathering and we were doing advertising. And it was Mike's passion and it was Mike's passion to see this go. Well, I worked through that May with that young man from the Catholic uh, Boys High School. And then in May, he left and I became the full-time floor director. And our summer was just filled with amazing times, amazing times in the Canyon Cable 11 mobile with Jeff and Randy going out. Um, one of my uh, favorite recollections during this time is it was during this summer that National Lampoon's vacation was being shot and they were shooting it all across the United States. The production company had crafted the green wooden-sided station wagon in such a way that it was built onto a trailer and as they traveled the country they actually filmed a lot of the driving scenes with Chevy Chase and his family. Well, one of the scenes in the movie was based in a home 
in the movie, it was Cousin Eddie's house. And they stopped and they visited at Cousin Eddie's house with him and his family and his kids. And well, that particular home happened to be in a community called Boone, Colorado, about 45, 50 minutes west of where we were. And we called and made some inquiries and we actually were given the permission to be on set one day. And so we took the Canyon Cable 11 mobile and we packed up the video gear and Randy and I, and maybe one other, headed to Boone, Colorado. We pulled onto the lot and there were production trailers and production trucks and there was the green wooden station wagon on the trailer and they were filming a scene of the family coming out of the house when they first came to visit Cousin Eddie. And we sat down and we were waiting for them to kind of hit a break in the action. And it was during this time that Chevy Chase, the star of the movie, walks over and he asks us what we're doing and where we're from. And we told him Canyon Cable 11. And he sat down in the chair in front of my camera and I fired up the camera and he looked right into the lens and he said, oh, Canyon Cable 11, that's that station where you can say words like dirt and poo-poo. And it was nonsensical and it was hilarious. But at the same time, it was video gold for a little station like ours to have a nationally recognized te television and movie personality claim our, the name of our station. So we packed up the gear and we headed home. And I would love to tell you that we took that video and that audio and we wore it out over the next several months making promos for Canyon Cable 11. But when we got back to the station and we took the tape and we placed it into one of the decks and played it back and I started to edit that, I had absolutely no audio. I had perfect video. He looked great. Everything was there. It was composed correctly. The color looked great. The white balance was correct but there was no audio to be found on that videotape. And I was devastated. And it taught me a lesson. <laughs> it taught me a lesson well into my adult life that you always double check everything and you create redundancies upon redundancies. If you're gonna record audio on the videotape, you're gonna record audio on a secondary source as well. And you're gonna have two cameras if you possibly can. You're gonna have multiple shots and you're gonna have backups and you're gonna have extra batteries and you're gonna have extra memory cards or at least at that day and time, it was videotapes. You're gonna have everything you need before you ever leave the studio. So that was one of the lessons I learned and it was a, a fabulous lesson to learn. And it was probably, in fact, it was most definitely the most famous person I had ever met up to that point. So I had the privilege of meeting Chevy Chase, got to see some of the other stars that were on the set that day, but that was the highlight of that summer. There were other highlights as well, just time spent um, putting together a, a newscast one night with Joe when Babs was off and everyone else took the night off, and Joe and I took it upon ourselves to put the entire newscast and the entire night's uh, programming together and even went to a, a local restaurant called Taco Time and dug through every nook, nook and cranny of my car to find change to buy a couple of measly tacos so that we could go and uh, air the programming that we had recorded earlier in the day. And it was just fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun that when 
Mike approached the staff in September of that year and said that funds were so tight that he was not going to be able to pay anybody anymore. Everybody else had to walk away. Randy, Babs, Joe, Glenn, Jeff. They, they all had families to support or they were in school and they had bills to pay. And so they all decided they had to go do something else. And it was up to Mike to pretty much run the station on his own. And I told him, I said, if he would let me stay, I would work for him for one calendar year and I would do it for free just for the experience of being a part of what it was that he was doing. So from September to September of the following year, I worked for Mike for nothing and learned so many lessons. Mike taught me so many things, so many life lessons, so many lessons about television, so many lessons about how to be a good businessman, uh, so many lessons about how to be a good journalist, how many, so many lessons about how to be a good man. And it was formative in my life. And, and I, it's why I dedicate this episode to Mike, because I appreciated so much what he taught me over that calendar year. And it opened the door for me to do things in television beyond Canyon Cable 11 that were phenomenal. Um, by the senior year of my, of my high school career, we, um, by we, I mean a group of my friends and I, all seniors in high school, we traveled all over the state of Colorado doing basketball and football games and had press credentials. And we were able to drive onto fields and park and unload equipment and videotape games and be in the press box and do all these things that no 18-year-old should have the opportunity to do. And we were so grateful for the opportunity to do that. I, I was so grateful for Sean. Sean was my best friend and he stepped up and he was the play-by-play guy. Jim was our color commentary guy. Tim was our backup to, to Jim, and Roger was our, our roadie. And we traveled all over Colorado videotaping football and basketball games and just having the time of our life as kids. We even took the opportunity as a group to put together a, a demo reel of sorts. For us, it wasn't really a demo reel. It was a presentation that we did for our art class, which is what we were doing at the time. And the, 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 the teacher that we were working under was our art teacher. And we put together a presentation for a production that they did every year in the art department called the Extravaganza. And we had 40 people pack a room every time we played our 30 minutes of video Saturday night live vignettes and fake commercials and a movie of the week and a newscast and just general goofiness. But we had room after room of people pack that room and watch what we had produced. And we had people that wanted to be a part of what we were doing. It became popular in this high school to be a part of what now would be called the AV club. And at that time, it didn't have a name, and it didn't have uh, any funding. It was just us, and it was by the sheer uh, generosity of Mike to allow us to use the equipment of Canyon Cable 11 to accomplish these things that we did all this stuff in high school. It turned into uh, a career for me. When I was a senior in high school, what I realized 
over a period of a couple of months as I was dating a young woman was that I was hungry for something during that time that I had worked at Canyon Cable 11, and I was hungry to know what the truth was. Having worked with a Jehovah's Witness and a Mormon and a Southern Baptist and an atheist and Catholics practicing and non-practicing, I had become hungry to know what the truth really was. And what I didn't know is that God was drawing me to himself through all of that. It didn't involve a church. It didn't involve me going to church until my freshman year of college. But at that point, through the grace of a young lady who is now my friend Sean's wife, Daria, she approached me one night after we had been to church together, and she asked me if I would consider talking to her mom and my sister and her about what it means to know Jesus. And it was at that point that night in October of 1983 that I gave my life to Christ. And it was at that time that I realized what all of that hunger for knowledge and that hunger for truth was all about, that ache that I had inside during those years in high school while I was working at Canyon Cable 11. It turned into opportunities to take those skills and produce 13 weeks of a Christian MTV-type program. We, as a group of, of young people, again, different young people, but my friend Sean and I, we produced a program called Psalm 150 in 1985, and we had the opportunity to interview a gentleman at Compassion International in Colorado Springs for one of our programs, who at that time was a junior-level executive. Later, he became the president and CEO of Compassion International, a guy named Wes Stafford. And we had the opportunity to interview him. We had the opportunity to put together a program, a, a, a Christian concert uh, in 1985. God gave us the vision to put together a program called Impulse 85. And just through God's grace, he pulled all the strings and put all the pieces in place for a group of 20-year-olds to put together a Christian concert. We even had a pastor come all the way up from Houston, Texas and preach that night. And we had 300 kids in an auditorium and 60 of them gave their lives to Christ. And I remember that night walking into the bathroom of that facility and just crying because I could not believe that God would use somebody like me. And he would use the giftings that he had given me through Canyon Cable 11 and through this desire to do television. And it was just, it was the beginning of how God would mold and shape my life and eventually take me on the road to be a, a video director with a Christian recording artist and running sound in churches for decades upon decades. And eventually spending 14 years on staff at a church in Cleveland being the technical director and then getting the passion there to teach and to pastor and ending up where I'm I'm at now, a church in suburban Cleveland, in really urban Cleveland, serving as uh, an associate pastor of a church called Refuge Community Church. So I know your story has pivotal moments. And like I said at the beginning of this time, those moments probably came in college. Some of them may have come in high school. But I wanted to share with you the pivotal moments of Canyon Cable 11 
and just how it changed the direction of my life and how I look back so fondly on that time and I'm so grateful for the people that I had to serve with, the people that I had to learn from, the people that I had to grow in relationship with, and the people that I had to grow in friendship with, some of whom have passed on and others are still alive. And I hope that there's some of the people listening to this podcast today. So as always, I want to close our time with a short time of prayer. And I want you to know that you can take the time and look back over the life that you've led and look with fondness at those times where people came into your life and changed the direction of your life and call them. If you have the ability, if, you have, if you're friends with them on Facebook, message them and thank them and thank them for all that they did for you. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of being uh, your children Thank you for the privilege of having our lives directed by you. Thank you for your sovereignty and moving uh, pieces and parts in our lives for your glory and for our good. And I thank you, Lord, for these people in my life. I thank you for Mike, and I thank you for Randy and Glenn and Joe and Babs and Jeff. And I just thank you, Lord, for how you used them to make me who I am today. Bless them. Bless those who are listening today, and I just pray, Father, that you would draw people to yourself, that you would help them in times of their life where they're hurting, where life is pressing in upon them, and life sometimes seems more than they can handle. Let them realize that you have been intimately involved in every aspect of their life, and that you have their good in store and your glory And so, Father, move in the lives of those who are listening. Draw them to yourself and be honored and glorified. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have episode four next. I don't know what's on on tap for us yet, but stay tuned. We'll be back in two weeks, and we'll have another episode of the Aural History Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.